With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Brendan Laney joins us now. G'day, mate. How are you? I have a I'm just glad you didn't say I'm the size of a Hino truck. It's great, Ricardo. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> mate, I, I, I was going to say that till we said goodbye because I didn't want you to hang up early. <laughs> Uh, top stuff. How are you, boys? Yeah, good, mate. Good. How are you? Did, did you get amongst it yesterday on the Melbourne Cup? Uh, look, to be fair, mate, I couldn't pick my nose on, on horse racing. To be fair, I'm hopeless. Um, uh, so I'd much rather probably go to the barn and have a beer. But, uh, gee, what a race. So I watched it. It was uh, it was an outstanding finish. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too good on the old GGs. I just enjoy the festivities. Yeah, fair, mate. Fair. You sound, sound like me. I was saying to Kempe yesterday... I had I had a bet on the Melbourne Cup. The first ever bet I had on the Melbourne Cup, I won because I, I followed Dooley and Dooley, Dooley tipped me out. And since then, I've never won. So I didn't bother yesterday because I couldn't make my mind up. I was just like, nah, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You just got to follow Dooley, mate. I think that's the, that's the lesson there. Hey, mate, um, it's a, some news yesterday that the Chiefs and the Blues are both taking games to uh, Japan in February. Um, these will be preseason games, but they will be playing. Uh, the Japanese League One sides like the Toshibas and things like that. Uh, what was your initial reaction to that, mate? And and do you think these are the first tentative steps in what might be something bigger? Well, look, I think there's, there's certainly something in it. Um, I, I don't think it's a, an unusual thing now. We're seeing um, other teams take games to Fiji. Um, I know the Crusaders have done it. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that I think we've got to a point now with our competition particularly with uh, Super Rugby, that we have to look at doing something just that wee bit, excuse me, wee bit different. And, um, and the Chiefs and the Blues are obviously looking at doing exactly that. Um, OK, yes, it's only pre-season, but you know, these boys are, uh, I suppose, are probably looking at them and saying that we've got to do something a wee bit different. And um, and to go up to Japan, I think that's, that's, that's probably quite a smart idea. And because um, they'll get a big crowd, which they definitely will. Um, the Japanese will support it like crazy. And um, and it's going to be something different for the lads. They're away from home for probably a week, week and a half. And uh, leading into a competition like Super Rugby, it's, uh, it's good to get the team together early and, and, uh, and have a trip away like that. So I think it's a real, real cool idea. If I was a player, I'd be pretty excited about it. Brendan, do you think that um, taking it up to bigger crowds, uh, you know, full stadiums in Japan is sort of uh, detrimental to trying to fix that problem that we have here? Because as we've seen, there's not a hell of a lot of people going to Super Rugby down here. We've got MPC, uh, club football struggling, yet we're quite happy to take our players up to a full stadium in Japan. 
Look, it's, it's fair cool, Kimby, isn't it? Like, the, the, the hard part we've got at the moment is no one's going to watch our game. And it's a real bloody shame. We, we looked at the numbers even going to EPC this year. It was pretty average. It was a fantastic crowd at the final, which was great. Taranaki doing the job there. But, uh, you know, look, we were really struggling to get bums on seats at our Super Rugby matches. And um, uh, right, we, we have to look at doing something different. And it could be detrimental. Um, look, it's, it's unfortunately... Uh, it is a question on everyone's lips at the moment. What do we do to change and get people to come and come and watch our our, um, our premier competition and uh, and yeah, get get thumbs back on the seats. Um, I personally think there's a, a lot of rugby on. Um, it's got to the point where people are over it. Um, another big thing, and and, it, and and it's a massive talking point out of the World Cup is our rules. Um, people are, get, are getting so confused by all the rules um, and turning over and watching rugby league because it's easy to watch and it's an entertainment um, value. So, you know, we've got a couple of issues, haven't we? Um, we're also losing players overseas again. I suppose that's been going on for years, but, you know, we um, we don't have our top players playing our NPC. Um, they're sitting out, and, and um, so yeah, it's a, there's a there's a, a number of things that that aren't quite working at the moment, and Super Rugby in particular is is one. Look, I love it. I love watching it, but I must admit I don't watch um, as much as I used to, and um, and that and I'm not the you know I'm a I'm an avid rugby fan, but there's a lot of rugby fans out there who turn in the TV over, so. Um, we have to do something, and we have to do it pretty quick. Yeah, because when you look at when you look at this this movement to head up to Japan, and you look at the tears that we're struggling with, and we speak about that all the time, Brendan. You know, like we just need to fix Super Rugby, or we need to do something with NPC. Is this the start of the end of the Super Competition? And and do you see, you know, we the the Japanese may be franchising football, and more Kiwis heading up there into those franchises. Well, I've always thought that we might end up with, you know, when, when you know, like sort of Crusaders, and I know it was the year around the earthquakes that they ended up playing a game in the UK. And I thought, wow, here we go, this could be interesting. It might be ending towards or heading towards a, a global season, or we'll end up seeing someone like the Crusaders based in Europe. Um, so I think there's been, there's, there must be, they must have had conversations around it because. You know, we can't, we, we couldn't keep continuing, we can't keep continuing knowing what we're doing and expect people to just turn back up. So there's going to have to be some uh, innovation and, and I think somewhere, we are, Japan's been talked about before, they try to get some wolves in there. Um, we think we're seeing more and more guys going and playing rugby in Japan. So, you know, that may be a natural progression or might be a progression that, that, that does happen. Um, we have to do something, keeping and it's probably going to happen sooner rather than later to get people back interested in, in the competition. <clears throat> and it may be a, it may be called something else. It might it might look quite quite different. Um, I personally think it's it's going to be less rugby. I know that sounds awful, but it's going to be less rugby. And, and when we're when we're doing the game, everyone's interested. In. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting, Brendan, to, 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 I mean, you mentioned the Crusaders, you know, playing up in the UK during COVID. Well, I mean, they're going again, this preseason, they're playing Munster, and I can't remember, there's another team as well that they're playing in preseason up in the UK. So, I mean, 
they're not the only, uh, you know, the Chiefs and the Blues going to Japan is not the only thing. What stood out to me, though, about that is I think last time we tried to, to bring the Japanese in, we did it the wrong way around because we talked to the Japanese rugby union and not to the big money guys who own all the yeah. clubs, and they control it. So yeah. they stop the players going and playing for the Sunwolves. So I think now the conversation's been had with the right people. Um, and I guess from a New Zealand rugby point of view, right, you're, you're under the pump financially with France and, and England and, and, and things like that. If you bring, uh, say, the top four Japanese teams in to some sort of new comp with three Aussie teams and the five Kiwi teams, uh, and, and then you allow Kiwi players to play in Aussie or Japan and still be eligible for the All Blacks, it takes some of that financial pressure off New Zealand rugby. It's starting to look like the NRL, Brendan. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's 100% right. You know, it's it's the tough part is, is you're dealing with companies. Um, yeah. You know, I played for Yamaha Motor Company and, and um, you know, Japan, Japanese rugby itself doesn't have a lot of control when it comes to that. And, and like you said, it's all done a bit, been asked about face when it comes to get, having some wolves in there. And it died a natural progression. Um, so, and, and let's be honest, like the, the NRL competition, um, rugby league-wise, is, is, you know, just outstanding to watch. You know, you, you get to your, your final eight, um, or your top eight, and it, it, the, it goes up another level. And then you get to your, your minor and, and major semi-finals, it goes up on the, another level. It's, it, it really is interesting, and people get behind it, and people want to watch it. But there's also an entertainment factor to it as well. So, so I, I understand there's more numbers over in Australia, and, and, and it's, and it's a, you know it's a it's a different game, but you know the entertainment value around it, and, and um, the people wanting to watch it is, is or the interest is is just brilliant. We we have to get that back. You know, a, a Blues Highlands game or a Blues Crusaders game was always massive interest in the Super Rugby. We've lost that somehow. I don't know how, but we've really lost it, and we need to get it back. Um, creating a, a new competition uh, with some new teams, there's got to create more interest. It has to. And, um, and like you said, there's going to be different um, different uh, people interested in watching that game and uh, being involved in the competition sponsor-wise if, if, it's, uh, if it's got other um, teams involved. So, and, and Japan might be the way to do it. Well, I mean, it's probably not the, the, the only thing that has caused people to lose interest. Maybe it's just the repetitiveness nature of it and things. But the other thing is, you know, we're also seeing Super Rugby teams watered down, um, you know, not always playing their best available team because of all black rest protocols and things. Do you think that changes under Razor? Oh, look, Razor's got a tough, tough uh, job, hasn't he? Um, you know, he's, I suppose one way he hasn't because he's going he's gonna to start fresh and he's got four years. Um, but, um, you know, that, that sort of thing is probably... Is is he's he's wanted to stamp his authority on 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 the role of of the All Black um, job and and you know he's going to want all his players available and and that rest part you know he's wanting to have those guys rested well and and um, I think that's something he's done always done well with his Crusader squad though is he's moved his players around and and he's used his whole team um, I don't see that changing when it comes to the All Blacks either. You know, he's, he's backed young guys when they've come into his, his Crusaders environment. He's created an environment where they enjoy themselves and they love playing their rugby, and I don't see that being any different being, being with the All Blacks. 
um, I think that's one of the reasons or one of the major reasons they've got them involved. So, because he's going to be rebuilding a new team. Um, so, look, I, I, I don't think there's going to be any... Look, I, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't see we're going to see guys getting taken out of competitions and with major rest periods or or back to the old rotation days. But, you know, the amount of of workload that the guys are under, you can't expect players to play 12 months or 11 months of the year and be at the at, at, at the heights that they need to be. It's just too much. They just can't do that. You can't expect a guy to do that. So they're, they're certainly going to have to manage their workloads in some, some way or form. And, um, and, you know, Fraser would be looking at that as well, um, not only for his his senior All Blacks, but his, his new All Blacks going in the environment that they've never been into. So... Um, it's going to be an interesting year for sure this next year, and and how the competition handles, um, you know, sorry, how the All Blacks handle all the all the guys missing, and and then moving forward, and and how they do manage their workload. So yeah, I I think Ray's got a big job ahead of him. Yeah, he do, he certainly does, mate. He certainly does. Uh, just before we let you go, mate, here's here's some food uh, food for thought. A mate of mine uh, who's been coaching up in Japan, he sent me a message yesterday. We're having a conversation about exactly that. He said, uh, of the Rugby World Cup final, of those 46 players that played in the Rugby World Cup final this year, 18 of them are going to be playing professionally in Japan. Wow. Wow. That's crazy, isn't it? Really. It really is crazy. Uh, and, and look, I can understand why guys go there. Um, they don't, their workload's certainly not as heavy as what it is. What it's um, what it's like when you're playing professionally in either New Zealand or Europe, so I totally get that. And um, and but isn't that a sad fact that uh, New Zealand rugby is also missing out on that many players because half of them will be from this this, uh, this part of the world. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, mate. Yeah, food for thought, indeed. Uh, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge, mate. But uh, thanks for coming on for a chat, giving us your thoughts on it, mate. Um, he know trucks a better class of truck. To make your working life easier, visit hino.co.nz. The man that used to hit like a truck, Chainsaw Laney. Where if you break through the line, geez, watch out. <laughs> Chainsaw, thanks very much for your time, brother. He's gone. He's gone. All right, he's done. He's done. He's, it's he's interesting, t- though, isn't it? He's, taking, he's tucking into some bacon and eggs. <clears throat> it's interesting, though, because when you look at when you look at what's happening and the, the amount of money that we're talking about and the structures that – they are sort of putting in place. And even that last stat that you threw out, the 18 of the 46 players are playing professionally in Japan, you would tend to think that there's something else going on behind the scenes. Well, you're just not taking games up there for pre-season. The thing that has to be, right, so South African teams are no longer playing in Super Rugby, right, so they're playing in this United Rugby Championship. So what happens to the TV dollar? What can you sell Super Rugby for? Because there's not a South African audience anymore. No, There's probably a diluted... Northern Hemisphere interest now because the South African teams aren't in it. So you need to find some money. You need to you need to find somebody with a a broadcast deal or b, if not both, um, some some big money. And I mean, Toshiba, are one. Toyota are another. Panasonic are another. They all own rugby teams. Get them involved. I mean, maybe even you may it maybe even turns into something like the IPL. You know, and you have the Panasonic Blues and the yeah. and the Toshiba Chiefs and the and the Toyota and, and Crusaders. That's, that was you know? what I, that's what I was alluding to is 
in a sort of franchise system, you would go in, you would basically create your competition. You'd have all the players that are available for it, and and even if you didn't have a draft system, you know, you'd work work all that out, pick the best team, play over a, a shortened period, and you've got these these Japanese um, businesses that want to actually be involved with it. Plus, if it goes well, then you've got media rights on top of it. So. I think there's a little bit more going on in the background. You know, we can't sustain what's going on down here with Super Rugby. Mm. And, and I think the other thing is we might miss out on playing, uh, you know, South African teams. Doesn't mean we have to miss out on playing South African players. If there's that many Springboks or former Springboks playing in Japan, that kind of makes sense as well. Well, you know, that's the – I think New Zealand are headed that way anyway, Rick, where the players are going to – you know, they're already going younger, choosing, you know, their careers over the black jersey, you can't just keep saying, oh, you have to play in New Zealand and pick the best team. Because as we saw, like look at Leicester Fainuku, for for instance, a young kid who's headed up um, to Europe and now misses out on an all-black jersey. Mm-hmm. Like what happens when, it, well, yes, it's one, it's drip-feeding at the moment, Charles Piatel, those type of guys. Now we've got Leicester. What happens when they start to drip feed more? It starts to get a little well, bit. Quicker. They are drip feeding more. That's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing that we're seeing. Well, you now. can't keep saying they're, you have to stay at home because you actually your best players are overseas. They're going. They're going younger. I think you know players like Alex Nankerville. I think is a great example. Alex Nankerville has gone to Ireland um, at the age. I think. Uh, don't quote me on this, but I think he's twenty five, maybe twenty six. Alex Nankerville, in you know twenty years ago, would have gone when he was thirty one, and that's you don't mind that so much. But when they're going at twenty five. Yeah, 20, 27? Yeah, when they're going at that age, they're still prime, right? You know. Well, they're still, you know, look, you look at the South Africans and they had a couple of players there at the back end of their careers. It's still plenty of plenty of international football. If you if you have a look at our players that are gone, you'd seem to think like Richie Mwanga could probably play Test match football next year. Yeah. You know, maybe for another couple of years. Uh, easily, he's only thirty. You know, so, so you know, you sort of go, you cut your nose off to spite your face. Head overseas. I'm sorry. Thank you very much. No more black jersey. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's worked for so long. I think uh, that, it's it's kept them, it's kept them in the race for a lot longer than I think most would have thought. But it might need a rethink, and that's why I think you know, you'd, if you expand into Japan where the money is, and say so you can still play for the All Blacks if you play in this comp, but yeah. it doesn't have to be in New Zealand. Yeah. Or yeah. does it have to be for a New Zealand franchise? Anyway, there you go. Those are you, our thoughts. What are your thoughts? Brendan Laney's thoughts as well. Double eight double three is the temper bedpost text machine. We'd love to hear from you. It is 724. Need a new mobile plan? Visit Kogan Mobile. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, keeping you healthy this spring.